It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi there, good evening and welcome to this Ibrox. It's your Sunday session across on your very own Rangers podcast for Sunday the 12th of November. If you join us on our YouTube channel tonight, we thank you for doing that. My name is Scott Patterson. We are available right across social media, as you'd probably expect. We're here on YouTube, we're available on Facebook, X, Twitter, what it's called nowadays. Um, you can get us on Instagram, threads, if that's still a thing, TikTok as well as there. Um, if you are looking at us um, across any of these social media channels, we thank you for doing that. Please don't forget to follow us. Like and subscribe on the YouTube channel. Certainly hit your notification bells on. And each time we release any content, you will get something to say. So we are also available across all the obvious audio channels where you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, etc., etc., etc. On tonight's pod, we're going to review this afternoon's convincing win at the Tony Macaroni Stadium in Livingston. Um, we'll probably look back at various different bits and pieces of the game. We're aware that Ross McCausland, of course, had his first start. Tom Lawrence came back in. Um, Jack and Lund- Jack continues to defy medical science by playing. Um, and we also, of course, are coming in at a time where Philippe Clement will lose much of his players um, to an international break. We will discuss exactly how that affects his plans. We have a big trip to Pataudry, um just around the corner. Before we get on to the pods and indeed my contributors tonight, um, I'd like to promote a new channel, a new series that we're putting out on our audio channel, Reliving Rangers. is a brand new series from this side, Rocks, which we will roll out on the Spotify and all the audio-only platforms. Um, and the latest edition of that, Reliving Rangers, is Ben Harshaw from um, Northern Ireland getting together with Kyle McLean to discuss all of their favourite 
Rangers content. Now, if you know Ben and you know Kyle, you'll be very aware that much of that discussion will centre around Stephen Davis. It's a very, very good listen. If you do find the time to jump on and have a listen, I recommend you do. Joining me tonight, um, two of our very, very highly respected pod, well, they're here, um, John Walker joined us. Hi, John, how are you? Mate, that was like a Saturday Night Live monologue that you've just went through. Normally we cut straight into how you are, and you have that awkward, that awkward moment. No, I'm really good, mate, I'm really good. And joining us also is Ian Mitchell, he's back. Hi, Ian, how are you? All good, mate, yeah. As, as always say, after a win, it's always nice to be on, so all good. You've been on after quite a few wins recently as well, haven't I? I, I, I don't want to say it myself and be the jinx there, but I mean, there's a, there's a theme going <laughs> <laughs> so listen guys I see lots of different bits and pieces and various different tangents that we'll cover between now and 9.30ish um, I want to start with just reading out the team that, that Philippe Clement picked for his first trip to the past the bowl today um, Butland, Tav, Goldson, Balogun, Borna left back which I think we'll come back in a second Lundstrom and Jack as that duo in the centre of the park Right wing, Ross McCausland, first start in the Rangers jersey. Fantastic today, I feel. Um, Tom Lawrence coming back in as well for some much-needed game time. Interestingly enough, I don't know how grateful I would be getting my much-needed game time on that surface, but I thought he'd done well, I have to say. Um, Seema, who seems to have made that left wing position his own, a regular starter now for the football club, which is great to see. And up front, John, I'll start with you. Were you surprised to see Dessers start ahead of an informed Danilo? <laughs> um, when I seen the lineup, yes, but then I think very quickly a lot of comments were made in our group chat just around the minutes and remembering yeah. that Danilo was injured and was already playing catch up for pre season. So I guess in hindsight, not. Um, and I don't want to get too much into the game too early, but I mean, it ends up being justified. But I do think it was the last position I checked. I'd seen Balligan was starting because that was a, a moment of contention. And I kind of overlooked the fact that it was a different D that was starting up top. Yeah, I, I was really surprised, I have to be honest. I did see something actually, um, and Clement commented on the, the amount of ground, Ian, that Danilo covered on Thursday night at Ibrox, and it was it was something quite remarkable. I, I think it was it was more uh, in relation to how fit, sorry, in relation to how late he's arrived to basically first-team football with the football club and, and taking into account maybe his work rate previously, but Thursday night, um, he really booted the arse out to Ibrox. So that was perhaps the, the reason why we saw Dexels this afternoon as opposed to Danilo, albeit a little later in the game. Yeah, um, I've got to be honest, I think my group chat comments were quite aggressively upset at the lineup. Um, didn't is playing, I was not happy. Um, <laughs> it's one of those but I, I go like so hard, but I don't like the lineup that it's either going to be a win-win for me. I'm going to be nice and smug or the win. So, all good. Uh, to be honest, Jack starting was my big concern. I know we touched on it there, but I just always have the fear with Jack in a plastic pitch. It's just absolute fear with his knees, yeah. his shins, thighs, whatever's got going on. So, there was a few contentious decisions, I thought, in terms of lineups, but worked out pretty well. So, I'll eat my humble pie. <laughs> Listen, it really did work out well for us today. I'm going to come to left back very shortly. What I do want to do, John Weir, absolutely rightly, um, has brought up something. I do have it in my notes, John. Um, huge shout out to the Union Bears for the display pre-match today. Um, really, really impressive. As it always is, we're very aware that this particular Sunday is a, is a poignant afternoon for many. Um, Union Bears done a fantastic job and we should extend that credit to, to Livingston Football Club who supported the team um, of the Union Bears to get in 
prep up um, and just add to the to the spectacle a little bit. So huge kudos to everyone involved with that. John, um, who is Philippe Clement's first choice left back as things stand now? And the reason I'm asking is because we now know that Red Van's fit. He's ready to go. He's not started any of the... I, I know that we've got the whole European squad drama. We know he's not in there. But would you maybe expected to see him today based on he never played on Thursday? I, I don't think so. I think it's, it's a weird one. Every time I look at Barisic, it's, I'm looking at who the guy is that's going to replace Barisic. I feel like I'm constantly doing this. Even today, there's a moment in the game, I think I said in the group chat, has there been a 90 minutes where you've watched Barisic and he hasn't been down or pulled up or done something that looks like he needs to come off? Yeah. That would be my biggest concern when you've got somebody there who potentially is coming up and being fit. I think the thing he probably likes and every gaffer seems to like in Barisic is the fact that Barisic doesn't necessarily need somebody in front of him. Yeah. He's quite comfortable eating up that space himself and receiving the ball up there. Where I do think a lot of what we've seen with Ridvan at the end of the season was Ridvan's very good at playing the ball down the line to somebody and being old school, getting around the side of him, being an overlapping and whipping a ball in. Ridvan's only really got one type of delivery though, and it is that fizzle across the six-yard box. Anything of quality dissipates a little bit. Livingston really weak in crosses. I just think that's going to be pivotal. I think... I looked into something about, I remember somebody told me about Ed Tavernier's got one of the worst crossing stats in the league, and me being a massive Tavernier defender, um, looked at it, and it, Barisic is actually one of the highest um, percentage performers of crosses that get picked up by our own team, okay. so not always been led by statistics, but if you have that, you're probably going to favour the one that gets the ball in the box more often with the most success, and I think that's going to be a big part of why Barisic is going to stay as the the number one left back until someone is willing to take his place. Yeah, well, listen, I think you're absolutely right. Ian, same question to you. I think we've had this call, this sort of discussion before, as far as sort of Red Van D. Borna type thing. Um, it's almost like a death match. Um, I, I, I do wonder where you stand. I, I, I think I maybe just felt that. You know, the problem we have is that we're very aware that there's been outlay on Red Van, decent outlay on him. So you obviously you almost expect him to be a starter because you spent decent cash on him. Um, there was decent money spent on Bournemouth as well, by the way, for what it's worth, particularly at the time when we spent it. Um, I just think at the moment, everyone, you almost expect, because Redvan's maybe not played on Thursday, because he's not in the European squad, there's an opportunity for him to start at the weekend. The fact that Clement maybe hasn't changed or rotated that position, I think points to Bournemouth maybe having the jersey for now. Yeah, I think the, the League Cup semi-final was quite important for me because you had Ridvan playing sort of 90 minutes, 90 minutes, 90 minutes. Borna come back from injury on the bench and yet a game of that importance he was slung in. Yeah. Like full game if I remember right. So that was quite a big telling point for me that maybe Borna is still the, the main man. Um, leading up to this game today there was obviously the predicted lineups and stuff in the group chats. I was pretty certain Ridvan would get the nod given Thursday night. Um, given I think it was the last game against Olivia Ibrooks. Uh, but maybe in the League Cup, actually, where Martindale came out and said he was not annoyed, but he was upset that Bonner wasn't starting because they'd planned for that. And <laughs> I think with Bonner, you know, the cross are coming in, the big defenders head it away kind of thing. So I thought Big Van made sense. He, he scored against Levy, didn't he, this season? So I thought, here we go, it's, he's back. But seeing that lineup, I thought, right, he's still not fancied. I don't know if it's the height thing, if it's the, like you say, he's not quite as, not versatile as Bonner, but Bonner can sort of got the pitch and stuff and I think Boris just trusted more by managers. I don't know what the exact reason is. I don't know if he trains better. I don't know if he's more professional. There's all this background stuff it could be, but 
yeah, you need to look at the facts. Bonner seems to be number one again. And if we've got a big game coming up at any point, I'm expecting Bonner to be that left back going forward. Yeah. And I think you're absolutely right. And we all, we, you know, we know now we've got, there's almost, John's been able to tell us there's statistics to back that up. And we all know that everyone loves all that sort of number info, John. <laughs> it's even just to, to, to scale it back, even a more basic thing, the Hearts game um, would have been Clement's second domestic game. Hearts scored their goal, Shankland deliberately pulling onto Redvan. Every goal kick and free kick they had, they pulled onto Redvan. Yeah. So see if he likes Redvan in the ball, there might be a, there might be an element of him just opening up his eyes and going, if this is where Scottish football is at, where teams will literally take a weakness like a smaller left back and put Nubli out to win headers, Singari out to win headers, and then I've got a player in that box for set plays against that I can't trust. And also somebody that doesn't take the set plays because he know he likes his outswingers. So Barisic is playing. It's probably another part of why he's in the team. It could have been as simple as that, as I can't afford to have somebody on there that might invite Livingston to go to Nubli on the left side. Yeah. And you're trying to compensate for that the whole game. It just takes that away. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, I completely agree with you. I, I personally like both. I, I think I do side with, with Borna a little bit because of, I just think... Do you know, there's a familiarity, I think, with Borna that the fans now have, and you, you just, you're just you used to seeing them at left-back in exactly the same way you're used to seeing James Tavernier play, play right-back. I think there's a familiarity there. You know what you're going to get from him back and forward. And there is still, I still think there's a bit of uncertainty over, over Ridvan, personally. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of weeks and right up into... Um, Sort of the December January period of time. We look forward to that. Listening to the game, I felt Rangers started relatively well. Um, I, I didn't think we, we started poorly at all. I thought um, I, I quite liked the way that, that Lawrence was sort of gliding around the pitch, made a couple of sort of um, runs beyond um, Dessers, which was good to see. And um, McCausland, as we say, started the right back, looked dangerous at right wing, rather looked dangerous around the right hand side. Um, First chance for Rangers of note came on the 11th minute when Dessers goes right through and, and forces a really good save um, from, from Shamal George. John, at that point, you're thinking he's almost getting into the positions, but you're very aware that if he doesn't get a goal in the first half, the pressure's instantly on him. You're right on his ribs straight away, aren't you? I, he, he is coming across. He is going to be someone that's going to be a one-in-three conversion. Um, and... I think that's going to be our biggest issue if Danilo is going to be the number one. You need a yeah. sub that's going to be better than that. We cannot afford to wait for you to get three chances before you stick one away. Um, I think even the one that was offside as well, he's he just not clinical enough um, too often. And it's it's surprising because if you look at the goal against Hibs, if you look at the goal away at Dundee, they're very composed finishes. Like he yeah. does have it there. So I don't know what goes through, whether it's whether it's a mentality thing, whether it's mental, um, psychological. There's obviously something. I mean, I can see in that finish, he's, it looks like he's tried to deliberately put it through the keeper's legs. But yeah. if you're going to do that, you need to do it at pace. You can't even be passing it to his legs. Yeah. Um, but it did look like a deliberate attempt to put it through his legs, which would suggest he is there. He knows what he's trying to do. <laughs> but the confidence is just not there. And you just, we can't carry any passengers because right now it's, it's very rosy, but we need somebody that's going to be taking those chances and make things a lot more comfortable. You know, it's funny you speak about sort of um, conversion one in three. Good, a good friend of mine that I work with, um, when he speaks, if you're ever in a conversation with Dessers, he often goes back to the um, the roof goal um, at, at Ibrox in the old firm game. And he still can't believe, even when we have 
sort of discussions with now. He still can't believe that that afternoon when he went clean through, they didn't try and score. Do you know what I mean? So is, is he a confident striker? Is he a, is he a striker that almost isn't greedy um, and, and wants to score? He still finds it quite incredible that he sort of got so far in, right in and Joe Hart and squared it. Do you know what I mean? Um, first old film game at Ibrox and, and he's trying to do that. I, I didn't think um, Dexas played particularly badly for Rangers today. I thought it was okay. Um, I, I think he can be quite um, quite happy with his, his work. Of course, he, he like any striker he wants to score he wants to score lots of goals he's got himself in the score sheet today which was good um var came into action back and forward <laughs> in the first half you know everyone loves val just now it mm. seems like they're away for goodness sake um and do you know we, we spoke john mentioned that um clement likes these sort of out swinging set piece deliveries i watched the game on um on sky um, I didn't need to go abroad to watch my game today, which was quite pleasing. So I did watch it on the on the real telly. Um, and just before it, um, Kenny Miller had said that we we we've seen that um, Clement for these sort of set pieces are sort of dragging them out, so that a centre half has maybe got the opportunity to run in, get in the ball with power, force it in. Um, Tavernier swings one in unusually, and Dessers goes to he almost goes to intercept the ball, misses it. Goes right to back post and Balogun manages to flick it back in and Golson um, dinks it in. Var, of course, um, sort of cancel that because Dessers is an offside position. Do you know, really frustrating because it, I didn't think Dessers was hugely close to the ball and I don't think he'd done enough to, to sort of put Shamal George off in the slightest, to be honest. I thought it was quite obvious offside, actually. I'm very yeah. much the other way. Um, I don't know why the ref had to go and look at it. I know the whole like, subjective nature, like, as you say, was he impeding? But for me, the second he goes for that, Shamal George has to pause and think that if he touches this, I'm diving left yeah. or right or something. So I think as soon as he moves for it, he's offside. Blow a whistle, offside, check it, go play on. I, I don't know why it took like a minute or so to like review and then send the ref over. I just didn't see the point in it, to be honest. Um, obviously, you were different, so maybe it is a bit more subjective than, than I was assuming. But as soon as I seen that first replay, I don't get why he goes so early. Just classic Dessers for me. He just loves being offside. But nah, I thought it was quite obvious. Kind of obvious as the obvious offside. So I was quite, wasn't happy with it, but I was understanding of it eventually. John, same one to you. Were you, were you you're obviously surprised, really similar. I was surprised, similar to Ian, that it took so long for them to go and bar it. Um, particularly when we come to some other bad discussions that, that went on in the first half. Were you surprised that it took them maybe two and a half, three minutes to agree that Dessers was in an offside position? I don't even think it needs to be a proximity thing. The minute Dessers goes to the ball, Dessers is offside. It shouldn't yeah. take a, another ref. This is another referee that is watching this on video. It's not a technician that's watching <laughs> this that needs to go, I don't know the rules, but I've got a replay. You might want to look at it. These are other trained referees to the same standard. It, yeah. It's getting, it's like, it was fine at the start. We wanted the ref on the pitch to make the decisions. Now I think we're going to be like, if you're going to be making, that was when we thought it was going to be one or two decisions a game. If it's going to be re-refed, have the other ref doing his job and just leave that ref on the pitch and get things done quicker. The thing that annoyed me and the reason why I think Dessers goes so early, Livingston are always playing that high line. Seen it against Dundee and both their defeats against Dundee. See those free kicks? Those free kicks are outswingers. The one that Tavernier takes. Those are yeah. outswingers. Corners are inswingers. It's what Livingston struggle with especially free kicks have got that line so high. Dessers has to go in early because otherwise that Tavernier ball is going straight through to Shamal George. He's not getting to it because you're yeah. doing an in-swing for 25 yards with a high line. You have to gamble. 
an outswing away Barisic gives us that extra five yards where you can slow down and go around the back post, which I think what Balogun wasn't offside. And if it had been an outswing of Balogun, would have got to the bottom, would have had that high line to play with. So I just, I was a wee bit surprised. I do feel like we've got a set play analyst there. And I feel like we're kind of setting the, we do outswinging corners because it suits us instead of going. I watched a few Livingston games and was very quick to identify what the problems were for set plays. And it was yeah. in swinging corners and short corners. Two of the things we never did, but we had nine corners and I don't remember us getting ahead on one of them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it was, um, I, I think it was one of the, the first times in the game we actually did put the ball in the way as opposed to out the way, you know what I'm saying? I think, it, I mean, as I say, Kenny Miller uh, spoke about it in, in, in commentary and he said that um, it's the first time he'd seen the, the opportunity certainly had at that point to, to sort of drift the ball in sort of right to left as opposed to left to right. So, um, yeah, interesting. Um, John, I'm going to stick with you if I can. Ross McCausland, sort of five minutes after that, had a, a dangerous wee run um, and, a, and a strike over the bar. Looks quite handy with both feet. I thought he played well considering it was first start today. It's just nice seeing a wide player that just runs at somebody on the right side. Too That's often it's been too, too often you've never known what you're going to get. I know Scott Wright does it in, in fits and starts, but it was nice to see somebody who'll go both sides as well. So happy to cut in his left, happy to go down his right. It's just full pace, it's forward all the time. Um, yeah, he looked really, really hungry. Um, I think I think in most it's his forward play that's so impressive. I do think there's obviously as a young player, there's a lot of work going back the way. But like you said, it's that potency of wanting to constantly get forward and create that's that's why he's in the team because that's what Clement keeps pushing on about that's what he wants he wants creation he wants forward runs he wants forward play all the time with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah, no, absolutely. I was really impressed on today. Ian, it takes us quite nicely onto the big, the next big talking point in the match, and um, which VR didn't go to. <laughs> Um, much to the delight of, of certain sections of social media, which I'm sure I'm sure we all know who they are. Um, 21 minutes, Ross McCausland finds himself in between the, I think it was Montano and Shamal George, the um, Livingston goalkeeper. And listen, it's I don't want to accuse the, the lad of diving. I really don't. I absolutely don't. Um, it was very, very soft. It's what I would, now, I thought it was soft when we saw it. I've since seen footage, and there is definite contact between George and McCausland. Now, none of us will be able to sort of comment on just how tough that content was, if it was enough to sort of knock him over. Um, John, I know you're laughing. I'm trying hard not to. <laughs> um, it wasn't a penalty, Ian, was it? Stonewaller. Don't know <laughs> um, yeah, it's a dive. <laughs> I saw a few tweets trying to defend it. Uh, the wee touch it nice. 
hands up, he's dived. I just this is it goes back to VAR. Like, what is the guy in that studio doing? Like, it's not that one's not on the ref for me at all because in real time it looked like a penalty. I thought yeah, yeah penalty thing. How he's not told him to go and look at that? Like, I just I don't get it. I don't I don't understand refereeing. I don't understand VAR. It's it's a bit of a, a joke at this point. Um, but yeah, he's he's expected the contact. He's gone down. He's a young player. Not a big concern or anything, but we definitely got away one there. It was good to have to miss it on purpose, though. Game that that's that's something a bit of respect from there. Um, but yes, it's never a penalty. So RFC seventy two jumps in and um, watching on YouTube. I would assume hi. Thanks for joining us tonight. Very soft penalty, but there is contact. And if a ref says he's seen contact there, there's not much that VAR can do really. I just. John, were you surprised they didn't look at it? I mean, even just look at it. So I'll I'll take that defence. I, I don't mind that. That's probably the the most reasonable rationale towards it. Because the biggest problem VAR's got, and we could go on for days, is this stupid <laughs> phrase on reviewing refereeing decisions. It's yeah. this clean and obvious pish that we keep going on about. <laughs> just remove it. Do what rugby does. If there's a mistake, call it out. Yeah, there's maybe the slightest touch when McCausland's already on two knees going past the keeper on his left foot. Slight touch. We've been told that penalties need to be real contact that would cause somebody to bring them down. Now, contact doesn't matter. You see the wrestling in the box. It needs to be significant contact. So it's a clear, not as a, as to me, as a clear and obvious error. But if you're going to have clear and obvious, that then becomes subjective within the thing you're trying to figure out if there was a mistake. Just, <laughs> just re-ref it. If you're going to have the video, just fix it. Just say yeah. that's not enough for the penalty. You need to go and look at it, and then you can make a decision. Or, or like I said before. The video ref's a fully qualified ref. He should know that's not a penalty. Yeah. It's, a, it's a dive. But his knees are on the ground before he gets touched. It's just a, it's just a dive. It's just a, a modern-day football thing that we'll just, unfortunately, going to have to get used to. But he thinks contact's <laughs> coming, throws himself down. But it's, it's a yellow card. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, of course, we, we what we know now is that James Tavernier steps up to take the penalty. And, bizarrely enough, um, puts it puts it wide of the post. It wasn't, of course, the, the last time we, we heard from James Tavernier from um, the spot a little bit later, which we'll come to. Um, five minutes later, Rangers did eventually take that. It just felt like, um, Ian, it felt like that goal was, was definitely coming. It felt like we had peppered the sort of goal back and forward. Um, a couple of times, to be perfectly honest with you, and we were beginning to look like living. I felt Livingston were beginning to look like they were struggling to cope with some of the movement that we had going around. Um, and it was Dessers that, that, that kind of got us. And I, I apologise for sounding so surprised about that. I don't mean to, but um, it's a great through ball from Tom Lawrence, really good through ball from Tom Lawrence. And um, as, as John sort of issued earlier on, cleverly attempts to pass it through um, Samal Jord's. Um, Legs. It was just. It was good to get the goal at that point and and put us into a bit of rhythm for the remainder of that first half. Yeah, it was basically it's what Tom Lawrence can bring to this team. It's, it's he's got that kind of creativity, that awareness to see it spot a run kind of thing and, and deliver it, which not too many in our squad are able to do. Um, again, this was my big humble pie moment when he tucked it away. But <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was going to be his goal on own, on own goal because the way he shoots kind of into the defender. I'm not really. I'll give him it. He's, he's doing something, I guess. Um, and I can't say when he was running through on goal, I was too confident. I wasn't up cheering until that ball was in the back of the net kind of thing. But now it's a good run from him. A good finish, I guess, it goes in. So I'll, we'll take that. But no, we were well on top at that point. Levy offering absolutely nothing. So matter of time was probably the, the feeling I had. 1-0. Take that. John, doesn't it feel quite... Um, 
it feels quite sad that we can't just be chuffed that that guy scored today, doesn't it? And, and I mean, I, I don't. I, I had him on first goal, mate. I was chuffed. It's it's not it's not a dig at the the way you described it, Ian. I think much of the support absolutely see it. What you what you thought you were waiting on a flag to go up, you're waiting on it to bobble away from or something like that. But John, it's it's a shame that so uh, Rangers number nine, he's got the number nine jersey. It's a shame that we almost just can't be really chuffed that he scored today, isn't it? I it's just. It's... It's always going to be a, a perception thing, though. Danilo just seems more like a, a fan striker. Yeah. He is. <laughs> I, I, I said this to you before, I think, in the last podcast I was on, and I've looked it up. Dessel's running stats are unbelievable for Rangers as well. But <laughs> to the naked eye, I just think Danilo looks busier. Danilo yeah. looks like he's actually going to bother somebody. Danilo looks like he's actually going to win the ball back. Dessel looks like he's going to be near the guy when he passes around him. <laughs> and I don't know, that could just be a naked eye perception thing, but we're going to always favour the person that looks like they're working harder. It was yeah. always the Kenny Miller-Chris Boyd debate. We always wanted Kenny Miller to play, despite what Chris Boyd could bring. Most people wanted Kenny Miller because he'd done everything else. He constantly worked, he looked fit, he was always bringing the team into play. And I think that's just what Dessers is going to have to live with until he's here for as long as he is. I mean, if he keeps sticking goals away, I'm, I'm never going to be upset at him. Uh, John, I'll stay with you because Lawrence obviously starts today ahead of Sam Lammers. Um, had a quite a, a, a busy first half. As I said, sort of when we, we led with the intro tonight, I was maybe a little bit surprised that he gets that opportunity to expand his game time on a surface such as the one at Livingston. Um, but again, I think you saw enough from Tom Lawrence to, to really indicate that once he's fully fit, up and running, ready to go, He's a he's definitely a first team pick for Philip Clement. It's I think you can say there's the stuff Tom Lawrence brings to the team. Yeah. Tom Lawrence will not keep the ball all the time. Yeah. Because Tom Lawrence will try the forward pass that breaks his through lines. He'll try the forward pass that sets up a striker. He will try and do that. So as a result of that, he'll give the ball away multiple times. I think that's exactly why he brought him in here because he knew if Livingston were going to even try and remotely press us high at any point. We needed somebody who was willing to play that in behind right away as soon as we got it. I think Tavernier played a couple of good balls over the top as well early. But if I'm putting Tom Lawrence in a 10 or drifting off, it's to be able to make those passes and make those through balls. And it, it seems to have been something that I've kind of noticed. That is what he's emphasised. I know we keep going. I, I keep going back to this shit lateral passes. Yeah, The proof is in the pudding. Like Looking at the, the stats, not to bore people too much, our... Um, our passes are down and our passing percentage is down from Clement's first five domestic games to Beale's last five. They're down, right. but our forward passes are up, which means we're taking more risks with the ball, yeah. which is why we're getting more chances on goal and why we're scoring more goals and why we're winning more games and why the ball's not coming back to defence because we're not inviting pressure on us because we're not passing it around the back. We're going forward, we're playing players that are going to take those risky passes. As a result, we're going to give the ball away more. But we are seeing that that is actually something that's happening is that we're turning teams round. I don't I don't know too often that there's been a goal like that that I can remember that we've scored against Livingston like that, where it's actually been a run from the halfway line that we've been yeah. able to play a striker through that's not been us two or three goals up against them. That was the opening goal. We were able to do that quick counter against a team who would traditionally kind of sit off us. Um, so I just think it's, it's good to see that, and I think Tom Lawrence is going to really, he's going to look really good in this team. It's actually... It's a good time we've got an injury crisis at Rangers and it'll probably continue because we've got a lot of players I don't know how they fit in this team. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, I think, you know, listen, first and foremost, it's really good to see Tom Lawrence back and, and involved. Um, there's no doubt he's a player that I, I think 
um, long term. Um, he, he's going to be someone who we're going to get a lot of good stuff out of. Interesting to hear John talk about the sort of forward passing. Doesn't have that that sort of. Um, I don't want to say that quality. He clearly has, but he, I, Lawrence just seems to be more offensive and more aggressive when it comes to that area of the pitch. There's less turning into tackles, turning into men that you've just beat. There's, there's more of a an aggressive offensiveness about him. So I, I look forward to hopefully seeing him get get some more game time. I'm going to stick with you because there's one thing I want to come to you on. Ross McCausland, and this was another bar thing you'll be delighted to know, but McCausland did um, have the ball in the back of the net. And I'm, you know, I've looked at it about three times and I'm still not entirely sure, even listening to the commentary, if they understand why the goal was disallowed. Seema involved in a bit of a stooshy with one of the Livingston centre-halves. Ball breaks to Dessers, who who just couldn't get over the top of it, and it gets deflected out to McCausland. And his finish is absolutely different class. It's a, it's a really, really good finish for a young guy making his debut for Rangers. Um, and it was called off. I almost wonder if it's not a goal for Rangers, could it or should have been a penalty to Rangers so close to half-time? Um. I'm not so concerned with this one either. Uh, I feel like I'm sticking up for VAR a little bit here, but <laughs> I think what the ref's seen is Seema's hand on the guy's back. Seema's terrible for this. The, the amount of daft wee fills he gives away that aren't really fills, but yeah. he's touching someone's back. And, you know, from amateur football, if you touch someone's back, fill. If they yeah. drop, it's a fill. So I think the ref has seen that motion just prior to like him having the shot. And then it goes back to this clear and obvious nonsense. So has the ref seen a fill? Yes, is it a clear and obvious error? No. You kind of have to give the foul at that point. I mean, I think if the ref lets that play on, I don't see it coming back. It's one of these sort of backwards ones. Um, it's annoying as they are, but like you say, Seema is kind of in a tussle with a guy. I don't think it's enough for him to get his own penalty. I don't think it's enough to be a foul that way, but because that stupid hand motion has touched the guy's back and the guy's obviously just plummeted down, that's, that's that. It's, it was a little bit similar to the one, is it Morelos on Johnson? In the old firm last year, yeah. Again, it's just a touch, and it looks like Morelos has been filled, but then he's the one that does the the motion. That's what the ref sees because that's more obvious than that kind of thing. And then, as soon as the refs gave it one way, it's not a clear and obvious thing. But it was, it was such a shame because I was buzzing for for McCausland to score. Like yeah. it's a great finish, first time kind of finish that we've not really seen too much from this team, other than like Tav kind of thing coming off the right and putting that ball in there. So I was buzzing and then gutted, but. I don't think we can have too many complaints, sadly. John, I'm, I'm generally a wee bit confused about that full sort of sequence of events. As I say, I've watched that a couple of times and I, I kind of get my head around it. See, because Scottish football, despite being in a deal for TV with a billion dollar company, can only afford two or three camera angles at a, <laughs> at a, at a Rangers game. I'm pretty convinced Seema kicks Montano, who's not the defender he's grappling with. See, when he comes round the front, I think he stands on the back of the other defender's leg. The right, one in okay. front of him, not the one he's in a shirt pull with. I, but I can only see it for a split second on one angle. But I'm yeah. convinced he does stand on the back of the guy's leg, and that's why Montano goes down in front of him as well. So I don't think it's even the guy he's wrestling with. I think he's accidentally stood on the middle defender that goes over right. the head of. Okay. Um, but... but as I said, limited cameras, it's 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 actually embarrassing, man. Like <laughs> you, you can choose which angles to watch English Premier League football on on your, on your red button, but interactive. And I can't see what angles are. Although I was watching the Celtic game and I seen a different angle that 
Sky didn't have on the VAR. So there right. is obviously other angles that we're not allowed to see that they have privy to. <laughs> I, I, you know, I still can't believe that um, a trip to Livingston was sort of controversial as far as VAR decisions are concerned. Just, <laughs> it's just bonk. It's Scottish peak Scottish football. Um, listen, we're going at half time and, and we're one nil up. I absolutely, I go with the good. Probably could argue similar to. To Thursday, we've probably had enough pressure and enough opportunity to go in with a greater deficit, I think, Ian. Um, come out in the second half, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I thought the second half was a complete non-event. I, I was really disappointed with the second half. I thought we would have maybe went for the jugular a bit more than we did. Again, not a million miles differently from, from how I felt on, on Thursday. Livingston actually had a chance right to start the second half. Um, I think Bruce Anderson had, had a, a good sort of glancing header. Nothing came of it, but it just shows you that, do you know what I mean? I don't want to go out and agree on you, but one goal is never enough. You always need to be sort of on that periphery of going for a second and a third and a fourth. And we, we've not looked like that, I would argue, the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it was a bit concerning because, you know, at 1-0, Livy are absolutely fine. They're not changing anything. They're not going to go gun-ho at any point. They're, they're quite happy to take it 1-0 and then wait for that last like five minutes to then start lumping the ball towards us. And that's how I thought this game was going to go. And then it's just a 50-50 shot of if we can like, hold them out or not. So I wasn't loving it. Um, I thought players looked a bit leggy. McCausland was kind of struggling to track back a bit more. Lawrence obviously hasn't played too much football to, to keep going. So I thought subs could have been a little earlier. Um, I think Bonner, as, as John messaged in the chat, Bonner goes down, holds his like, hamstring, then his thigh, then his hip, like in that kind of 65th <laughs> minute mark. It still doesn't come off. So I'm kind of screaming, like, get him off. Get Fuentes on. Get... Just a bit of change going, um, but it was getting kind of touchy, I think, for me until we get another penalty. So yeah. I let you take over for that one. Yeah, and bring this on very nicely. That that penalty came fifteen minutes from the end, so a good, I mean, a really good bit and a relatively sort of non-eventful second half, and it was something that again Val's obviously involved, and I think it's something that that it's quite easy to miss. John Cross comes in from the left-hand side. It might have been Borner that crosses it, actually. And it's the boy Devlin who jumps up. And for some reason, his jump looks okay, but when the ball's right at him, he just throws his hand up there. I think it doesn't matter how many cameras you put on and how many refs you have watching games. Footballers are still going to do stupid things when the ball's in the vicinity <laughs> of them. And it's just one of those things. It's one of those things that I would get frustrated at myself doing at a game of sevens, but I know if it was going over my head and it was close, there's a good chance I'm going to hit it with my hand. Um, and I think that's just, just what's happened. Is he's just realised he's maybe a yard off getting the header and he's worried and just puts his hand over the head. And I, that's, you can, I, I know players can be arsey, but you can normally tell by a player's reaction if somebody has handled the ball. You yeah. can see whether somebody's insistent that it's definitely happened. And Lundstrom right away was insistent that he had seen it hit his hand because it was right yeah. on his head. Um, so I kind of knew that it was going to be a review and we were definitely going to get the penalty. And as soon as you seen the replay, you were, that was the one one where I can go, right, cool. Yeah. That, that's why Val's meant to be there. There was it's a long. penalty missed. Give the penalty. Get it done. Yeah. And John, I'll stick with you. John, uh, James Tavernier um, steps up. Go 112 um, for the football club. Now, I know you're a, a huge advocate of, of James Tavernier. Numbers... I think I, I would argue for as long as we support the club, we'll never see anything like that from a from a defensively minded footballer, i.e. a fullback. You'll never see that again at Rangers. Never. 
I think I could lump together all the defenders I'd seen before James Tavernier joined Rangers, and I probably wouldn't have this. I'm not even joking. I probably wouldn't have yeah. the same goals and assists combined. All the defenders from 1992 when I started going to Rangers games to the day Tav joined, I bet I could lump them all together, and maybe Stephen Whitaker would be the only one deciding factor in that yeah. whole team. I mean, he's he has been he's been incredible. He's he's been given. I have been guilty of, of giving him pelters. Um, I, I'm sure I, it was interesting. I heard um, Clement say, um, I think he, he said it might have been post-match um, Prague on, on Thursday. He said something along the lines of um, referring to him, he, his numbers shouldn't be the way they are because ultimately, first and foremost, he's a defender. And I don't think we've ever heard any of the previous managers refer to him say his, his initial job, his primary focus will be to defend because we just don't, see him do that and the obvious argument that we get a lot Ian is that from a defensive perspective it's not something he's hugely I don't want to say good at because that's really unfair and he clearly must have something but um his numbers are are just absolutely incredible for for a guy who is effectively a right back yeah he's unbelievable I think if you start going through his like what he's good at You'd be about 15, 20 things in before you mentioned anything defensively. So it kind of says a lot about the guy. But um, I think the key to Tav doing well and looking good and playing well is Ryan Jack. Not so much today, there wasn't anything obvious, but Jack's awareness to just let Tav on you go. And Tav will just, eh, sorry, Jack will just sit in, just cover, tell him he needs to go, bring players in, stuff like that. I think he's so underrated for Tav, especially in this team. Um, but no, Tav's just, he's, he's some guy. Um, it's funny because the first penalty obviously misses, blooms it wide. The second one, you know it's going in. You just, you just know he doesn't really. I think after the, the European game, they had a similar sort of issue. Sorry, the Hearts game was actually yeah. um, when he missed and he had all that pressure on the second one. wasn't quite the same pressure today, but you know he's going to bag it anyway. Uh, but now he's he's come on leaps and bounds since Clements came in. Um, I don't know if it's a little tactical style. I think having a winger in front of him is quite big for him as well, just to kind of play off and take up different spaces for him to cut inside, things like that. But the guy's a, a freak numbers wise, so we'll, we'll miss him so badly when he goes. Like I know it's a year or two, three year away from this point, but I'm dreading that moment. And whoever comes in at right back for us, the, the pressure on them to to get numbers from the get go is going to be incredible. So yeah, don't envy that gig. John, do you think it's almost admirable that Tav is now playing under a, a sorry, playing under a new manager? He's playing under a, yet another new manager. You could rhyme off the guys that, he, that he's played for at Ibrox and he does continue to give that same level of effort and more importantly output you're not you don't see a you almost don't see a break in his contribution despite the fact that a new manager came in no you don't and, and all these managers cannot be wrong all the players that talk about him cannot be wrong James Tavernier is the leader of that team he's the leader of that dressing room every manager knows it every manager recognises it I was a bit pissed off last week because you could tell that Clement was wanting to sub him to get his applause walking off the pitch. He'd done it deliberately. Um, he commented on his mentality. I put, I put a tweet up about his mentality and then was told how many trophies he'd won. It's fucking irrelevant. It wasn't the point I was making. The mentality to continually stand up and put yourself forward. European final free kick an extra time. Stands up to take it. Keeper saves it. First up to take the first penalty in a European Cup final. Steps up to take it, scores it. Hearts, like we said, missed a penalty, steps up, 90th minute, scores, and then has the balls to go and then set up the winner right away. The guy's mentality is ridiculous. He's every manager's dream. A captain, 
as much as Roy Keane, Graham Smith and Chris Boyd want a captain to be something different, it doesn't exist anymore. He's are in the dark ages. Somebody who shouts doesn't win trophies. It's somebody who keeps the unit together and is the players' sounding board every time they need to speak about a manager and when the manager needs to speak to players. James Tavernier is obviously a pure consummate professional. He's the leader of that club. And <laughs> just, you know what it'll be like. The minute he leaves, we'll get a defender that's good at defending and somebody will moan that he's not good at attacking. James <laughs> Tavernier is as good as it's going to get. James Tavernier is the, I think we've said this a few times this podcast, Roof would be the best striker if he was fit. If, Hadj- if Hadji was fast, he wouldn't be with Rangers. If Tavernier could defend, he'd be playing with Liverpool. <laughs> lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well there you have it you can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com play for free right now are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details I, listen it's probably it's quite fair I think that I, I think if he was I don't want to say he's a better defender because it just sounds really crass because he is a defender and he's played X amount of games and he's scored X amount of goals now but I, I understand your point and um, listen John I'm going to stay with you because you speak about maybe um have been a, a a real dream to manage. I want to come on to Todd Campwell, who came off the bench today, and got what looked like a really, really silly, petulant, daft yellow card. I thought at the time, I thought that's just a daft one to pick up, just on the pitch, literally just on the pitch. Um, and he posted something really interesting on his Instagram since, um, and he, he was actually in the end of quite a short one. So I think he got. Every right to to sort of be a bit pissed off, taking a yellow card away from Livingston today. I I don't mind that side of him. I keep I keep seeing this. I, I don't think he's ever somebody that's going to ever, ever overstep the mark. I think yeah. he's always somebody that's going to collect the yellow card and get whatever frustration was hitting him at that point, Absolutely. and he'll go back into himself. But I have noticed when there's been little flare ups that Tavernier has jumped him right away and had a word with him, or Clement spoke to him, or Goldson spoke to him when he's been near him. It was happening again in the Prague game. They were yeah. going and talking to him. So I don't know if Todd Campbell, we're not on the training ground, but I'd imagine Todd Campbell has about three bad fills every training session on <laughs> players when he gets frustrated. And I reckon players recognise that it can blow up. Yeah. And he just seems that type of player. I watched him at Norwich. He was a dirty wee bastard at Norwich. This isn't a new thing that he's doing to play up to us or play up to our fans because he's getting wound up. He was a dirty wee bastard at Norwich. He, every time he played against a big team where he was getting kicked or frustrated, he was snapping people. That right. is just the way he is. I don't think it's a petulant thing. I just think it is the way he is. And I, I don't mind it. I don't think he's ever going to run the risk of a Morelos where referees are going to start singling him out. But I do think we're going to see a lot of those petulant yellow cards. I know. I, I think you're right. I, the, the one, as I say, the one thing that sort of surprised me was that um, the, there was that, that sort of angle he's obviously managed to freeze frame and put a text box over it and <laughs> to explain what happened and all that. But Ian, it, 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 it does look a sore one. I wouldn't be amused if it happened to me in front of the touchline, in front of the ref, in front of the fourth official, and, and Campbell's still the one that gets the yellow card for it. It's a dangerous tackle. It is, because you saw Campbell keep going to the ref after it for like five, ten minutes. <clears throat> and I thought he was just more of his yellow card, just kind of more bastardised, like just coming on grumpy about the card, but if he does kind of keep his foot planted there, that's that's a bad one. Right. I don't know how you've got all these cameras. I know we've, we've kind of famously said we don't know how many camera angles and stuff we've got, but 
And obviously, as a guy watching that somewhere, so why is that not getting picked up? Why is the ref not having a look at that? But yeah, I, I, my worry with Canwell is that he's got this reputation now where one fills a card, and it's just it's a bit bullshit for him to be honest. It's a classic Morelos one. We will have so Rangers seem to always have a guy who one fill card, one top back card. It's it's just one of these ones where today's not a big deal. Looking last week's not a big deal, but there's going to be a point when it's is it five and you get a. A suspension or maybe eight or something if the season's yeah. on so so far, but he's gonna end up missing a game because of these. So yeah. I'm I'm with Johnny to be fair, I wouldn't tell him to change how he's playing or, or rein it in at all, but if he's coming on as a sub late in a game, there's no point getting the booking. Today's a bit of an exception because at the time I was calling him stupid, it's just petulant kind of thing, as you as I think most of us were. But looking back, yeah, I'll, I'll let him off with today's winner. Not quite as harsh as I was at what, 2 o'clock this afternoon. <laughs> so listen, Rangers run out um, 2-0 victors in Livingston post-match. Um, the, the gaffer, I'll, I'll read out some of the things that he said. Um, referring to the performance is quite mature, um, suggesting it was tricky um, to play on a Sunday so soon after the Thursday night. Um, and already maybe a, putting a wee knee into the... Um, at me, Scottish football, he suggests that we, if you're playing on a Thursday night, that it would maybe make sense to follow the, the Belgian model of, of moving those Sunday games to, to night time. Um, I think the local constabulary across the country will maybe have a, a bigger discussion and point in that as much as anything else. Refers to the synthetic pitch, felt the, the guys played with it and, and dealt with it really well, used the term dominant, which I thought was is, is something that we're hearing a lot from on these sort of high and um, strong phrase phraseology that you're getting from them recently is really important um the first to to what happens after the international break which which I'll, I'll i'll take us to next before i get on to that and um, he said he's now looking to build a real team on and off the pitch i suggest he's talking about his his squad of 24 25 26 and their readiness should one drop out the other one can drop back in without sorry huffing and puffing because they've not been involved previously. Um, so really interesting to see. John, 12 games in 30 days after the international break. First one we know is, is a trip up to Petaudry. They love us up there. We look forward to going to see them. Um, what do you think Philippe Clement uses the next two weeks to do based on, do you know what I mean, we've got guys disappearing to, to represent their country at various different levels, so there will be guys certainly not around, there will be guys that will still be there. Um, what do you think he uses this next fortnight block to do? I think it's a lot of his partner playwork um, and a lot of the where we want to press and how we want to press as a team. I think right now I can see I can see the way Sparta quite a few times played through us, which meant you can see that those ideas haven't quite been worked on, I think. I think one of the biggest things I noticed, and I think we do as fans now that we're more we're more intrigued about what goes on behind closed doors. I don't think we're as shocked to realise how few training sessions you actually get now with professional footballers because yeah. of day minus one, day plus one, you've got to do your yoga, you've got to do your recovery, and you can only really have those intense sessions when you're playing weekly, once a week, and the other sessions would be really light. So you've not really got a lot of time on the training ground to actually do the work of what you would need to do. That's why it's a pain in the arse changing manager during the season. You yeah. want to do that during pre-season and get all your ideas across so you can then start and go from the get-go. There'll be a lot of that with the players that are left behind, so I wouldn't be surprised if you see a team of players who are still behind, um, depending on, to be fair, Ryan Jack's availability for Scotland and how that goes. I'm expecting a, a sick note in the next couple of days. Um, 
but I do think that'll be it'll be built towards Aberdeen specific, but then further forward what we're going to do because let's face it, the next two Aberdeen games are going to be the 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 big kick on for where we're going to get. We need to go and win at Petodre and put a marker down. Um, so it's good that we have that time to prepare for that game. So I'd imagine there'll be a lot of that. There'll be a lot of how we actually build out when teams press is high and how we build out and how we press teams um, aggressively when we counter press and where we counter press and what we want to do. I, I think we'll, I don't think we'll see a totally different team, but I think you'll start to see different movements happening because right now I think it's, it's been good. But I still think there's times where I go, I, I feel like McCausland maybe does his own thing today that's maybe not Clement style or yeah, same yeah. as the same. Like when are the fullbacks to go up and in? I think we'll start to see what Clement's style, because I think we're all obsessed with that now, is what right. his actual style will be um, end of November, starting to December. Do you know, it, it always disturbs me that for every Rangers manager, every single Rangers manager that Petaudry becomes almost like an acid test and they are rotten. The only reason Petaudry is an acid test is because they hate us. That it's not, it's got nothing to do with quality of opposition, how good they are. It's just because they don't like us coming into their city. It's as simple as that. It's nothing else. It's only that. And um, so I do hope when we come back after an international break, we got there and give them a bit of tanking. And John, you're absolutely right. I, I think it's a, It'll act as a marker for the Sunday before Christmas where we will have to beat them at Hamden without any debate. It's completely not negotiable. Ian, the the break, international breaks always frustrate me because I'm not a huge fan of international football. Um, do you think it comes up for... Clement said today that he would rather obviously still have the, the, sort of, the players for the two-week period to work with a, a large sort of core of them. As I say, there will be guys that will drop off and disappear to to um, to train differently, to to train on different techniques, etc., and, and different sort of general methodologies. Do you think it comes at a frustrating time for him, considering how good the last seven or eight games have went? I think he'll be okay with it in a kind of weird way. He's we've heard him talk at press conferences and how focused he is on having everyone fit. And everyone well recovered and people sort of at 100% ready to play 90 minutes week in, week out. So I know we've got this, we keep seeing it, 12 games in 38 days thing. So that's going to be tested to the limit. But we're in a fortunate spot where there's not too many going away. I, mean, I think it probably count one hand in terms of like regular first teamers, Jack, Borna, imagine Red Vans going. Yeah. I'd hope, I'd hope Sifuentes isn't, but I've not any knowledge of whether he is or not so far. But I think it'd be good for him and the club, if he's sticking around for the, this two weeks, to kind of kind of show us, not us, but show like the coaching staff and the players what he's all about and what he can yeah. bring. Because he, he's sort of, kind of glossed over it, but he's kind of that mid-fan territory right now where he's getting a couple of minutes at the end of the game. He's clearly not trusted to do what we want him to do. So there's guys like that that you kind of hope can use this little break to just boost themselves up that sort of that chain a little bit. But I think we're, we're fortunate we've got the majority of the squad here as John says, there'll be new tactics, new instructions, new pressing stuff. So I think it is coming a good time, albeit frustrating for us because we just want to see Rangers. I don't like care how Scotland get on this next few weeks. And I, I don't, I'm not one of the haters of Scotland, to be honest. I'm, I'm quite glad to see them do well, but these games don't really matter to me. So I couldn't really care less what happens here. So <laughs> I'd much rather see us playing Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday kind of thing. But I think it's good for, for the coaching staff and players. Get a bit of a rest. Get some new methods on board and just see how we, we rock up to Petodrian. 
you know, it's funny to hear you speak about Sifrientes. I would love to see something over the next... Between now and Christmas, I would love to see something that basically doesn't back up my theory that it was signed off the back of a search engine and football manager because I've seen nothing from him so far that makes me think that he's been brought in to to make a, a difference. I don't think he's any better than the guys we've got. I think there's an argument that he probably doesn't offer um, as much as what Hadji potentially could be in fully fit. I don't. I just don't see him starting anytime soon. To be perfectly honest, I don't really know what kind of player he is at this point. Like, I know sort of people say box to box and stuff, but I, every time I've seen him at Ibrox get the ball, he just looks for Tav and gives him it. Yeah, so it does. So I, I, again, we see a couple of clips on YouTube. We see a few goals that he scores for LA. And they look great, but he wasn't playing ninety minutes for them. He wasn't like their main man, as far as I could see. So I just feel like we took a bit of a risk on signing this guy that he might come good. Obviously, there was a link with Brighton, so have we just signed him on the back of that? But hopefully, it shuts me up because um, I was quite excited when he came in, and then ever since he's really flattered to deceive. Sadly, John, we know the new gaffer's in um, circa eight weeks now. Eh, sorry, eight matches now. Um, Paul McGarrigal, regular um, on on the pod, looking at us on YouTube tonight. Um, looking at the future when everyone's fit, and we're obviously coming up to to uh, the the classic January period where you don't get quality, I think it's fair to say you get stop gaps as much as anything else. Um do you think there's any areas in particular that Clement 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 has already identified as an area to to strengthen based on what he's seen in these seven, eight games? I don't know. See if everyone's fit, right? If everyone's fit, I think we've got a, a very strong squad and my biggest criticism's of Rangers managers has always been you have to leave spaces in the squad open for youngsters to come in. So yeah. I think glaringly obvious we've probably needed a right winger since Candace left. I know Arebo was good, Arfield was good in those positions. They were never naturally those positions. I know Hadji filled it at times as well. They were never natural right sided players. Sima, yeah. you can see looks like a natural left sided player. Kent was a natural left sided player. Even Sakara looked like a natural left sided player. You could see that. But if we went and did that, has Scott Wright's been... <laughs> Scott Wright's an awkward one. Scott Wright, <laughs> Scott Wright, Scott, every time Scott Wright's come on, he's been fine. He's been good. He's probably yeah. changed the game in two of the games. Cantwell playing off that right, although he said it's a position he's never played and not a position he particularly likes. He's played there and been good. Ross McCoslin's came on and played there and been good. There's nobody in that position that's concerned me. So that would have been one, but then I'm going... You kind of need to stick with people who are showing confidence. Midfield, if everyone's fit. If you're telling me we've got the choice between the two setters, Jack, Raskin, Lundstrom and Cifuentes, I don't think you need to fill in there just now. Yeah. If you're telling me we're trying to fit in a 10 of Lammers, Lawrence or Campwell, we've got too many players there. Left, if we get Matondo back, we've got Seymour Matondo. We've got yep. Danilo Dessers, <laughs> Bonner, Redvan, Tavernier or Sterling. Then you've got Goldson, Balogun, Davis, and Suter. I'm like, do we? Are we just adding to the ways bill for no reason? Like, I'm, yeah. I, I don't know where the the player is. I don't know where I would spend the money unless there's somebody that's a total standout that we could get for cheaper than normal in January because they're going out of contract. I, I don't, I don't know. I think he'd be happy to see more of what's there and address that. In the summer, because if we win, if we win that first cup, and that first cup comes before the January window, you are going to be inclined to stick with what you've got, and I think that'll be a big marker 
where we end up in the Europa League and where we end up at the end of that Aberdeen game will be a marker as to whether he thinks he has to go replace people. Yeah, I think that's a great show. One thing I think is, I don't know if we just... Well, we're still looking on the Michael Beale summer signings. Do you think we've judged the Michael Beale summer signings as things stand just now? So we 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 know who we know that everyone loves Butland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're we're yep. all on the Butland train. Sterling, I don't know if we know enough about. Um, Balogun, we know. Incidentally, I thought Balogun was really really good today. Um, so it was really yep. good almost today. Congratulations yep. to the big fella. Um, Sifuentes. D- don't know, just don't know. Lammers, I think Lammers is beginning to show signs, small signs. Um, Dessas, I think you can also throw into that basket as things stand just now. It's just how long, Ian, do we give them? Do you know what I mean? Is, is January going to come the time where we say, listen, we've sort of tried with you guys, it's not working, we need to bring in better. The problem is you need them to go somewhere else in the first instance, I would suggest. Yeah, I think the big thing for them that's a positive is that we don't rely on them right now. I think yeah. the problem for Dessers is that he played up front and we had no one. Daniel had no cheek. Roof is roof. So Dessers was going to play whether he was playing a stinker, playing incredible, he was playing. Now there's that competition for places. Everyone would agree Danilo's first choice. So it means Dessers can come in, like today, come in, get a goal, probably sit on the bench for our next important game at Pataudry come in for the last 20 minutes, try and impact the game. I think that helps him. Lama's the exact same. He's been kind of fighting Cantwell for that exact role. Lawrence, the new dimension there. Someone like Kieran Dowell as well is going to come back eventually. I was pretty happy when he signed. I thought he could do a job. I'm not really sure why he's still out. <laughs> he kind of came back and disappeared again. So we need to see what happens there. But I think if it's... I don't want to say it's too early to judge these guys, but it's a bit fairer now that they don't have that added pressure on them if they are having a poor game. They can just step yeah. out. They've got, I don't want to say easier games, but games like Livingston, games like Dundee, most of the Ibrox games, they can come in, feature, try and get a goal, get an assist, work their way back up sort of thing. Because everyone talks about the Dessers and Lammers as big failures, which they probably are so far. You need to say they're, they're not exactly passing with flying colours, but pretty much every other signing is doing pretty well. And Butlin's been incredible. He said Sterling, I don't, I think Sterling's had a bit of a raw deal with how he's trying to fight Tav for a position. He's not going to get in there. <laughs> I, I thought he came in to play that whole back five thing. We've not done that, so he's not going to play centre-back. Um, and then we've already got competition at left-back, so it's a bit hard to judge him. But the rest of them, I think, have all been quietly successful. Seema, Danilo, the, the starters now. I'm big fans of them both. So, yeah, it's been done all right, signing-wise, I think, <laughs> in the end. <laughs> Do you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll say something to you both before I let you disappear into your Sunday night. And I've said it before on the podcast. I'm really, really, really glad that social media wasn't a thing when Ali McCoy signed for Rangers um, because we would have had a real, real problem. <laughs> um, listen, John, I'll come to you first. Enjoy um, your company. Thanks for joining us tonight. Well done. I appreciate it. Um, and Ian Mitchell, always good to have you on, buddy. Thanks for joining us tonight. No, not at all. Quite a closing statement from you there, saying Dessers is a new McCoy's, but... No, no, no. You can quote me on that, no pressure, goodness me. Um, listen, before I let you disappear, I do want to say I can't not miss um, the, the Rangers uh, women's football team tonight who progressed to the Sky Sports semi-final draw made on Thursday. They're into the pot with Celtic, Hibs, Partick, Thistle, 
um, for that draw on, on Thursday. They won against Birmingham Youth Thistle seven nothing today. Congratulations to Ailey Austin on her first competitive goal for the football club. We can't walk by the fact as well that in the past sort of two weeks, both Nicola Doherty and Brogan Hay have both um, peaked at one hundred. Um, appearances for the women's club, which is just fantastic and um, something that I, I hope um, they continue to add to as the season goes on. If you have joined us, um, you're joining us late now because we're just getting ready to wrap it. Um, if you are not following us on social media, don't forget we're on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Threads and TikTok. If you are following us, please like, comment, by all means subscribe, put your notifications on so you do get a little bell every time we release some content. Don't forget, Reliving Rangers is available across in all of our audio channels right now. It's Ben and Kyle just basically talking about Stephen Davis for about 30 minutes. You will love it. Get yourself onto that. Wednesday night, Kyle is back. He is joined by Ross Chalmers and Kieran to really do a, well, it's a bit of a Wednesday without Rangers as we were sort of entering that international break. So it should be quite interesting. They'll inevitably talk about Ryan Jack pulling out the Scotland squad. Um, thanks to, to John and Ian for joining us tonight. Have a great week. I'm back next Sunday from 8.30. Bye for now. All right. Well done, mate. That was enjoyable. Sports Social Podcast Network.